section twenty of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter seventeen jack rogers in command of the supple jack alec's letter to jack the caymans shoal of turtle dolphins chases a slaver havana scenes on shore slavers in harbour polite invitation from a slave-dealer jack accepts it the venus slips out of harbour some time after the events related in the last chapter jack rogers walked the deck of the supple jack as her commander he having superseded murray who had been promoted as every one acknowledged a just reward for his gallantry at cartagena higson had been made a lieutenant and appointed to the tutor while terence adair had rejoined the plantagenet the commander who had been appointed to the corvette in the place of poor captain babbicombe had fallen sick and as there was every probability of his having to return to england jack had hopes that the admiral would appoint murray to the command if i hadn't the supple jack i should have been delighted to serve under him said jack to adair who had come on board to see him i have no idea of a fellow being jealous of another's good fortune for no one deserved his more than alec murray i only wish that i may get the chance of doing something in the supple jack i won't throw it away if i can help it you will have more opportunity than i shall have aboard the frigate answered terence and i only wish that i could be with you or murray if he gets the command of the tutor i am sure at all events to fall in with a slaver or two or perhaps have some such work as that of st juan cut out for me said jack i am now i believe to be ordered to havana so johnny farong assured me yesterday and as he is certain to be well informed i expect every hour to receive my dispatches from the admiral while jack was speaking a boat was seen coming down the harbour and in a short time he received from the officer who came in her an order to proceed at once to havana and on his way to keep a sharp lookout for slavers of which it was known there were a good many on the coast he at the same time got a letter from murray who had been residing with his friends at st david since he gave up the command of the supplejack we may take a glance at its contents which thus ran dear jack since i cannot tear myself away from this eden though had i a pair of wings i would do so for a brief space to see how you are getting on on board the little brig i must beg you to be content with the few lines i have the time to write before our sable mercury starts for kingston i am as you may suspect supremely happy stella has recovered her spirits and every day becomes more attractive it is beautiful to see her watch over my young kinsman archie who is slowly recovering from his dangerous wound the doctor says that had it not been for her watchful care he would have succumbed to the fever which attacked him after his arrival here you ask me when our marriage is to take place stella will not hear of it her father's death is too recent and she will not tempt me away from my duty for she thinks that if i became a married man 
i shall wish to remain on shore and i cannot help acknowledging that in that respect she is right she wants me at all events to serve as a commander till i obtain a post rank and her kind friends here offer her a home till she has one of her own i long for the time however when i may take her to scotland as my bride and present her to my family in truth though i have often fancied that nothing would make me wish to leave the navy i have begun to meditate doing so rather than be separated from her perhaps however i may be able to persuade her to yield to my wishes and as the tutor will probably remain on the station i shall constantly be returning to port and be able to enjoy her society i am sure you say to get command of the corvette provided grafton goes home and the doctors say that there is no chance of his recovering out here stella desires to be kindly remembered to you as do all your friends at st david's you have won their hearts i assure you and they will be happy to see you whenever you return to jamaica they press me to remain here till i am ordered to join the ship and as you may suppose i am perfectly happy to accept their hospitality my cousin archie desires to be remembered to those young reefers your brother tom and desmond i hope some day to be among them and assist in keeping them out of mischief give my kind regards to terence and believe me your very affectionate friend alexander murray jack had no time to answer this letter as the breeze proving favourable he was obliged to put to sea according to his instructions during his run westward he kept a bright lookout for slavers in all directions it was just daylight a mist lay on the surface of the ocean which completely shut out any object at a distance while a light breeze from the southeast filled the brig's sails and impelled her at the rate of two or three knots an hour through the water harry bevan who had joined from the frigate was officer of the watch the men with trousers tucked up and buckets in hand were about to commence the operation of washing decks i say exclaimed tom who had been sent forward on some duty i never believed in the great sea serpent but as sure as i'm alive that must be the fellow right ahead wriggling along at a tremendous rate if you listen you'll hear the noise he's making broken water ahead shouted the lookout forward that i'm sure it cannot be said bevan he however as a precaution brought the brig to the wind and directed tom to call the commander jack was quickly on deck keep her away again he exclaimed after he had examined the object which had so astonished tom that is neither the head nor tail of the big sea serpent but a shoal of turtles which having come from the bay of honduras are bound to the cayman islands where they are going to lay their eggs he said laughing heartily at tom's notion the brig was soon in the midst of them their columns dividing to get out of her way it was wonderful the noise they made as their fins rapidly struck the water in their onward course soon afterwards the mist lifted and the lofty trees which grew on the great cayman could be seen rising out of the water some fifteen miles off appearing like a grove of masts emerging from the ocean directly afterwards the mist which still hung in the west was swept away exposing to view the sails of a square topsail schooner shining in the rays of the sun with snowy whiteness jack immediately ordered the brig to be kept away 
and made all sail in chase the schooner held her course for some time but at length discovering that the brig had kept away set also every stitch of canvas she could carry this at once betrayed her character for had she been an honest trader she would have had no reason to run from an english brig the crew felt as eager to overtake her as did the commander it was the first of this sort of work they had had and they indulged with immense satisfaction in the idea of carrying back a prize full of slaves to port royal long tom was got ready for action as it was not likely that the slaver if such she was would yield without making every effort to escape the chase showed that she had a remarkably nimble pair of heels for fast as the supplejack was after a couple of hours had passed by she appeared to have gained little or nothing on her do you think we shall take her asked tom of needham who had been appointed as gunner of the supplejack if the wind freshens and we have the first of it before it reaches her we may get her within range of long tom and if then won't be my fault if we don't bring down some of her spars but if night comes on before our shot can reach her she may manage to slip out of our hands in the dark but we have most of the day before us and we surely shall get up with her before then observed tom you see we have run on already two hours and are no nearer than at first said needham if we were to chase her round the world and she was to sail twelve knots to our ten she would soon be out of sight so i don't feel very certain that we shall have her ladyship but if we miss her this time we may fall in with her another at the time the men were piped to dinner the supple jack had not gained more than at first on the chase still jack persevered trusting that something might happen to favour him the men in their eagerness to watch the chase hurried up on deck and the officers remained below as short a time as possible every expedient that could be thought of was adopted to increase the speed of the brig every variation of the breeze was carefully watched by jack's vigilant eyes now he ordered a pull at the starboard now at the larboard braces while every inch of canvas that could be set was kept thoroughly wetted so that not a thimbleful of the precious wind could escape till it had done its duty the day wore on it was tantalizing in the extreme to see the stranger still keeping so far ahead the breeze however at length freshened and the stronger it blew the faster the brig sailed she was evidently nearing the chase but the sun casting a ruddy glow over the western sky and across the laughing sea was sinking rapidly towards the horizon turning the sails of the schooner which had hitherto appeared of snowy whiteness into deep shadow long tom will reach her now i've a hope sir said needham and if we can knock away some of her flying kites she may be ours before the day is over try at all events answered jack and needham giving a friendly slap on the breech of the gun while he cast his eye along the sight brought it to a proper elevation and the brig yawing slightly he pulled the trigger the shot flew straight for the chase but as jack watched its course he saw that it fell into the water short of the mark it was not far off though sir said needham and if we hold on at the rate we are going we shall soon have her within range the gun was again loaded and after another few minutes jack ordered it once more to be fired but with no better success than at first and as he saw it would be useless to fire till he had gained still more on the chase 
the lower limb of the sun had now however reached the horizon below which the glowing orb rapidly sank and the shades of night came creeping over the ocean still the shadowy outline of the schooner like a dark phantom stalking over the deep could be discerned ahead a vigilant lookout was kept but hour after hour went by and the brig appeared to have got no nearer to her than at first jack and most of his officers remained on deck towards morning the distance seemed somewhat lessened he had his eyes on the chase and could not help hoping that by daylight they might be near enough to try what long tom could do when the sails of the schooner began to grow less and less distinct he had a moment before seen her he rubbed his eyes she had disappeared it was very provoking still he couldn't but hope that in the morning they would again get sight of her ordering the same course to be kept he at length turned in desiring to be immediately called should she be again seen when morning broke a mist similar to that which had risen the previous day obscured all distant objects a lookout was sent aloft but he could see nothing and when the sun rose in the sky and the mist dispersed the chase was nowhere visible better luck next time observed jack when he came on deck and he ordered the brig to be kept on her proper course for st antonio the westernmost point of cuba several vessels were sighted during the day but they were too far off to make it worth while jack considered to go out of his course to speak to them the midshipmen employed themselves in a variety of ways tom had of course brought spider who assisted them to idle away many a spare hour tom and desmond one day amused themselves by making a target of a piece of canvas it was painted in circles of different colours with a yellow bull's-eye in the usual fashion this was suspended by a line at the end of a spar rigged from the fore yard-arm on about a level with the bulwarks and well answered the purpose intended with half a dozen ship's pistols they began blazing away sometimes hitting the mark though as often it must be confessed missing it tom proved himself decidedly the best shot desmond declared that his pistol somehow or other shot crooked whenever he failed to hit the target they thus passed away many an hour in calm weather and jack considered that the powder was well expended as it taught them how to handle their weapons mctavish and the purser in the meantime got out lines and hooks baited simply with pieces of canvas the former wishing to obtain some dolphins for examination which had been seen darting through the water on either side of the brig hurrah exclaimed mctavish i've got hold of a big fellow at last lend a hand to haul him in norris in another minute a good-sized fish was hauled on deck do you call that a dolphin said tom i thought a dolphin was a fellow with a big head and large fins of all the colours of the rainbow it is undoubtedly a dolphin answered mctavish if you haul it out of the shade of the bulwarks you will see that it is of cerulean hue there it won't retain that colour long it's changing already now it is purple and before long as its life ebbs it will become black but hurrah i have another bite three other dolphins were hauled up in quick succession and taken forward to be anatomized by the surgeon several spectators watched the operation hallo cried mctavish as he cut open one of the fish this fellow has swallowed something very hard and to the astonishment of all he pulled out two bullets in another were found three and inside a third a similar number there could be no doubt that they had swallowed the bullets which fell into the water 
from the midshipmen's pistols the fact proved the rapidity with which dolphins are capable of swimming as it could not be supposed that they had all been close to the spot where the bullets fell nor could they have seen them till they reached the surface as however many of the bullets had ricocheted for a considerable distance the fish had probably caught sight of them as they first struck the water and darting after them caught them as they began to sink the brig continued her course and having rounded cape st antonio sailed eastward for havana keeping however at a respectful distance from the numerous low sandy islands or keys as they are called which lie off the northern shore of the island and have brought many a tall ship to destruction at length the irregular outline of the hills above the magnificent harbour of havana appeared in sight a fair and fresh breeze filled the sails of the brig and carried her rapidly towards the mouth of the harbour presently a lateen rigged craft a pilot vessel came sweeping out from behind the high threatening rocks on the summit of which the massive fortifications guarding the entrance of the port were now discernible the pilot vessel was soon close on board but jack waved her off being very well able he considered to take in his small brig without assistance the brig was now running through a channel between three or four hundred yards broad and half a mile in length which leads into the magnificent land-locked harbour high on the starboard side rose the massive fortress of el moro and on the port that of la ponta extending from either side of which could be seen the encircling line of fortifications which protect the city and harbour the brig passing through the narrow entrance the whole panorama of the magnificent landlocked bay with its fleet of vessels some at anchor others moored with their heads to the quay its numberless boats with lateen sails and hulls painted some of a bright blue others of a scarlet hue and others again striped with green and white darting about in all directions its great square stone warehouses fronting the water its many mansions the residences of nobles and merchants its beautiful-looking villas and groves of palm-trees the high-peaked roofs of its convents and tall grey towers of its churches rising above the whole now appeared in full view the brig appeared in a complete lake the fort of lapanta high above near which she had passed completely shutting out the entrance of the harbour on the shores around were seen numberless hamlets of every hue the rich foliage of the tropical trees and shrubs giving a cheerful aspect to the surrounding barren slopes as did the bright green jalousies of most of the residences and the flowering trees which rose among them to the city in every open space visible were seen slaves hurrying here and there with heavy loads seamen of all nations strolling along intermixed with the far-famed volantes brilliant with burnished metal rolling in and out of gateways the steed which drew it bestrode by a postilion six or eight feet from the body of the vehicle the brig was quickly surrounded by boats bringing off vegetables fruit and fish some of them containing those persevering personages ever present in foreign ports washerwomen and washermen their laudable object being to solicit the honour of cleansing the dirty linen of the officers and crew jack hoped to find some amusement on shore before however ordering his gig to be got ready he was engaged for some time not in examining the beauties of the harbour but in casting searching glances around to discover such rakish 
wicked-looking craft as were likely to be engaged in the slave trade he marked several of suspicious appearance we must have some of these fellows bevan he observed keep a bright lookout on their movements if we are off watch they will take the opportunity depend on it to slip out of the harbour i have no doubt that the fellows cursed us in their hearts when they saw the little brig enter the harbour among the commercial cities of the western hemisphere havana ranks next to new york the harbour is the best in the west indies and is unequalled in beauty by any in the world it is nearly three miles long and a mile and a half in width while completely sheltered from every wind by the surrounding heights so great is the depth of water that the largest ships can come close up to the quays the city stands on the western shore of the bay the streets of the old part within the walls are narrow and far from clean but those of the suburbs which cover a much larger space than the city itself are broad and well laid out many of them being handsome and tolerably free from dirt besides the two strong fortresses at the entrance batteries run along both shores while fortifications frown from all the surrounding heights the houses which are in the moorish style have excessively thick walls and are mostly of one story the windows however are unglazed and on account of the heat of the climate always kept open the object of most interest in the city is the cathedral not on account of its beauty but because it contains the bones of columbus which were removed here from the church of santo domingo in hispaniola at the end of the last century the chief attractions of the place are its pasios or public drives of which it possesses three two inside and one outside the walls some of them are ornamented with statues of royal personages more or less ugly with rows of poplars on either side and with fountains and gardens here in the afternoon the world of fashion resort and they are thronged with young creoles in evening dress and round hats employed in casting admiring glances at the fair dames who drive slowly up and down the carriage road in their wide and open volantes their heads adorned as if for a ballroom with natural flowers and generally arrayed in costumes of all the colours of the rainbow jack felt at first somewhat indignant as he observed the impudent glances so he considered them cast by the youths at the young ladies but soon came to the conclusion that they had no objection to be so looked at and would indeed have felt injured had they not received this style of homage from the opposite sex as he passed through the streets he could look with ease through the large open windows into the drawing-rooms of the houses where in the evening when not abroad the ladies of the family are wont to assemble the older dames seated in rocking-chairs the younger in front of the iron bars by which alone ingress from without is prevented here they can see every one passing and be seen in return the volante is as worthy of a description as the gondola of venice the dames of cuba delight in it for it is not only picturesque but luxurious in the extreme it is made to contain two sitters with comfort but when a duenna is in attendance she is seated on a middle seat between her charges it has two enormous wheels strong and thick the body is supported on the axle-tree and swings forward from it on springs it is somewhat low down and affords abundance of room for the feet which are supported by a brightly polished 
metal bar which runs across the footboard it is most remarkable for the shafts which are fourteen feet in length the extreme ends resting on the saddle of the horse who has thus entirely to support the whole weight of the vehicle there is thus between the horse's tail and the carriage a space of nearly seven feet the postilion is generally a very heavy negro who rides the unfortunate horse those used by people of fashion are drawn by two horses one outside the shafts on which the postilion sits he is as remarkable an object as the vehicle itself he wears a huge pair of footless boots the top rising ten inches or so above his knees so that they nearly touch his elbows while to the bottom are secured huge iron spurs his breeches are white and his jacket red ornamented with gilt lace while a broad-brimmed hat covering his woolly pate completes his costume still barbarous and awkward as the affair appears it looks perfectly suitable to surrounding objects the fair occupants seem also in their proper places with their gaily coloured costumes and their dark hair fastened by a high comb and ornamented generally with natural flowers jack did not consider their beauty so surpassing as he had been led to expect while he thought the older dames perfectly hideous but then the recollection of the lily and rose in the cheeks of his fair countrywomen was too recent to allow him to admire them as he might otherwise have done he was highly amused at seeing in some of the dining-halls one of those silver ornamented vehicles placed at the farther end its usual position when not in use as far as he could judge the male portion of the population passed their evenings in smoking cigars and playing billiards when not engaged in dancing or listening to music every evening before the captain-general's house in the plaza a military band played for an hour when the men collected by hundreds but a few ladies however appearing among them gambling in one form or another appeared to be the occupation of all orders encouraged considerably by the government who had public lotteries tickets and minute portions of tickets being daily vended in the streets jack and his officers were overwhelmed with invitations not only from english and americans but from spaniards some of whom he was warned might possibly have a motive in wishing to make their stay on shore agreeable they being owners or in some way interested in the rakish-looking craft in the harbour and on which it was his special duty to keep an eye picturesque and attractive as havana is in many respects jack came to the opinion that it would undoubtedly become a much finer place were it in the hands of the english or americans once upon a time it did become a british possession when in the year seventeen sixty two the spaniards and english went to war as soon as hostilities had broken out the british government dispatched a fleet under sir george pocock with an army of one thousand six hundred men commanded by the earl of albemarle the fleet consisted of twenty-two sail of the line four ships of fifty guns ten frigates and seventeen small vessels that so powerful a force was sent out showed the belief of the english in the strength of the fortifications the spaniards however had but little stomach for the fight while the fleet threatened them on the seaside the troops landed to the east and west of the city and attacking it in the rear quickly made themselves masters of the renowned fortifications on the return of peace a few months afterwards 
it was once more placed under the fearful mismanagement of the spaniards and now only awaits a favourable opportunity to be taken possession of by the yankees whatever may be said of havana jack found it a very pleasant place but he took good care never to sleep on shore or indeed at any time to remain longer away from his ship than possible he made several excursions round the harbour not so much to enjoy its beauties as to examine the before-mentioned rakish-looking craft which lay moored to the quays apparently for the purpose of taking in cargo he could never however observe anything going forward on board them during the daytime needham had however several times in the evening taken a pull in the dinghy among the vessels he reported that there was some bustle on board one of them in particular and that he could hear the sound of hammering going on within her it is my idea sir that they are fitting up slave decks depend on it before long some of them will be trying to get out if they have the chance without our seeing them i marked a craft called the venus which came in at sunset when you were on shore and if she is not the very schooner we chase she is wonderfully like her she is large and to my mind faster than any of them but if she can get whatever she wants and her cargo shipped we may be sure it won't be long before she tries to slip out unknown to us jack thought that needham was probably right in his conjectures but one thing was certain that while the commander of the venus knew that he was watched and likely to be followed he would not attempt to put to sea jack waited patiently he knew that at all events he was of some service in thus locking up these traitors in human flesh if he could not catch them he could at all events prevent them from doing harm he had accepted several invitations and had been seen at both english and spaniards houses at one of the latter he had met a spaniard don mateo who spoke english well and paid him great attention on inquiry he found that he was a slave merchant the owner of a number of vessels employed in making frequent trips to the coast of africa and back jack had hitherto refused his invitations though his parties were among the most brilliant and his daughters the most attractive of the black-eyed damsels of cuba jack however as every british officer engaged in the suppression of the slave trade ought to be was wide awake and when don mateo notwithstanding his former refusals again invited him and as many of his officers as he could bring to attend a dance to be given at his house the following evening he accepted the invitation and promised to bring all that could be spared from the ship on making inquiries he found as he suspected that the don was the owner of the venus he goes by the name of don mateo at present but he was long known on the coast of africa by that of pepe the pirate added his informant innumerable are the atrocities of which there is not the slightest doubt the fellow was guilty but he managed to escape hanging and having realized a large fortune got whitewashed by the authorities whom he still keeps in his pay changed his name and settled down in havana as a respectable merchant and shipowner though to avoid the risk of personal inconvenience he no more goes to sea as was his wont formerly he has a fleet of a dozen vessels or more employed in the middle passage as he bribes the government officials the captain of the port and others as well as the commanders of the spanish ships of war his vessels find no difficulty in getting in and out of harbour even though completely fitted for the slave trade 
and the latter frequently convoy them till they are free from the risk of capture by the english cruisers on this station on the other side of the atlantic they have to look after themselves but they get pretty correct information and three and four escape capture so that his adventures pay him handsomely having as i said grown honest he deals at present exclusively in blacks but he is known to have committed not a few acts of piracy in his younger days and the deaths of two or three british officers and the crews of several merchantmen are placed to his account the scoundrel exclaimed jack i do not fancy partaking of his hospitality as you please mr rogers but i would advise you to put your feelings in your pocket was the answer remember that you do not go to the fellow's house for your own amusement but for the good of the service in which you are engaged yes i see that you are right said jack i will do my best to catch one of his craft at all events accordingly on his arrival on board he sent needham in the dinghy as before to take a quiet pull among the ships the gunner came back about midnight and reported that the people were as busy as bees on board the schooner that the sails were being bent and according to his opinion she was getting ready for sea then she intends to sail to-morrow night while i am on shore observed jack i'll go however and try if we can play as good a game as she can that's it sir you will have plenty of time to get on board after she slips out and we can soon be after her jack accordingly ordered a boat to be in waiting for him and his officers at one of the less frequented landing-places a couple of hours after dark intending to remain at the party till that time and then to return on board he also gave directions to needham to have the cable hove short and everything to be ready for getting under way at a moment's notice he then told bevan and the other officers who were to accompany him that they were to leave don mateo's house if possible without being noticed and that he himself would follow at the time he had fixed on it was still daylight when he and his officers including three midshipmen in full rig pulled on shore to attend the ball the sun was just setting as they arrived at the wide entrance of don mateo's handsome mansion to which numerous volantes in rapid succession were bringing up the fair dancers while gentlemen were arriving either in various conveyances or on foot passing through a courtyard they were ushered upstairs into a spacious and well-lighted saloon with enormous windows looking on one side into a courtyard in the midst of which a fountain threw up jets of cooling water and on the other into a garden fragrant with sweet-scented flowers the dancing soon began no people could be more polite and attentive than their host and hostess to whose lovely daughters the english officers were immediately introduced at first jack found it somewhat difficult to get through the contradanza the dance for which havana is especially celebrated but his partner smiled graciously and assured him that he performed it to perfection when however he contrasted his own performance with that of the active toad spaniards he could not help feeling that he was receiving undue flattery as to his companions they soon had to give it up as a bad job though they did their best to make themselves agreeable by tucking their partners arms under theirs and chattering away in execrable spanish tom noticed that their host and his spouse kept a bright lookout on them and no sooner was a dance finished than they were taken up and introduced to other partners who were quite ready to forgive their mistakes 
the midshipmen at all events thought it very good fun and tom on looking at his watch felt very sorry that the hour was approaching at which jack had directed them to leave however his orders were not to be disobeyed so giving a hint to desmond and morris they made their way to the door when followed by bevan they slipped downstairs jack who watched them hoped that their departure had not been observed but don mateo begged to know why the midshipmen were gone jack replied that he considered early hours the best for such youngsters as they had their duty to attend to in the morning and that the elder one had gone to take care of them soon afterwards the surgeon and purser made their bow the former remarked that he must go on board and attend to his patients jack and jos green were the only officers remaining the latter had very little notion of dancing but that did not deter him from hauling his reluctant partner shrieking with laughter through the mazes of the dance at length losing his equilibrium as might have been expected down he came dragging the lady with him he managed however to save her from injury though he himself was somewhat severely hurt jack hastening up apologized explaining that the officer was but little accustomed to this sort of amusement and pretending to be very angry ordered him forthwith to return on board green who had received his instructions putting on a sulky look obeyed and joined the surgeon and purser who had been waiting for him outside jack who was in a hurry to be off walked up to his host and hostess and thanked them for their hospitality observing that he felt it his duty to go and look after his officers in vain don mateo pressed him to remain and offered to send an escort with him to the harbour it may be safer for you not to go alone my dear friend observed the don with a bland smile there are villains of all sorts about in the streets at night and you know that you english are not held in much love by those slaving gentry to whose business you are attempting to put a stop they would not scruple to stick a knife into your back if they found you walking alone i am much obliged to you for the warning and coming from you who must be well acquainted with the proceedings of the rascals it is of value but i am not afraid of them answered jack laughing we are prepared for all the tricks they may attempt to play us good-night don mateo dona isabella the don's buxom wife joined her solicitations to those of her husband and their fair daughters who gathered round jack resolved to prevent him from leaving but he was as determined as they were and making his best bow hurried out of the room he found his officers as had been agreed on a short distance from the house and keeping their swords ready for defence should they be attacked an event they were aware not at all unlikely to happen they made their way down to the landing-place as quickly as possible bevan and the midshipmen had already reached the boat and jumping in they pulled rapidly towards the supplejack as they did so they caught sight of a vessel gliding across the harbour which having passed the brig was soon lost to sight she has slipped by us sir and is standing out to sea exclaimed needham as soon as they stepped on board she is the venus sir i know for i was not far from her in the dinghy as she began to haul out from the quay i went away soon after dark to watch her as i felt sure we were right in thinking that she was about to put to sea the breeze was very light and the schooner could still be discerned from the deck of the supplejack jack waited till she had disappeared behind the rocks of the morrow the anchor was then hove up and sail being made on the brig she slowly glided out of the harbour the magnificent lighthouse 
on the west enabling her without difficulty to find her way through the narrow channel the schooner could be dimly seen ahead but it was doubtful whether she herself was aware that she was followed End of chapter seventeen